Friends, we may not have met before, but I am impressed by you. All the life and service you've involved yourselves in, I am inspired because I know how this beloved community speaks up when injustices arise. You answer strong. You carry your divine opinions and truths and revelations about all that this community is into the light of other communities. I don't need to remind you how your work in beloved community has impacted those other communities. The voices of ancestors and prophets who have led by their divine opinions, truths, revelations, inspire and guide every one of you as you unapologetically live your faith in justice. Justice for all souls whose social locations and cultures and gender expressions and colors vary so brilliantly and have for so many generations, for so many decades. In 1965, President Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act, and in Los Angeles, the Watts riots broke out in the days that followed, igniting our nation's pent-up furies about systemic racism, whipping them up into massive protests. Our national culture still upholds this as one of the most potent developmental liberations of our society. By the summer of 1967, there had been 75 major riots in cities across the United States. 75 in just two years. 83 souls had perished, with thousands more injured as our society's emerging consciousness broke free to proclaim liberation for all races, all genders, all classes. Liberation we've all agreed to uphold within our national community through our mighty covenant together, the Constitution. So I wonder, do we need to be heading in the direction of civil upheaval and violent protests again? Fifty years later, we are still transforming our Constitution's covenant into liberation for all souls. Because we have learned that relying on laws and policies alone to liberate all living beings on earth is not enough. Merely establishing laws, the covenants of gov governing, Yes, merely establishing laws does not succeed. 
Mark Morrison Reed, one of our UU prophets living today, writes, We are not called to succeed, we are called to try. Responding because we have dreamed of a better, more just tomorrow, we are sustained by love and by hope. We care, therefore, we act. In acting, we risk having our hearts broken a thousand times. That is the price our African-American religious forebears accepted. It is what living fully, deeply, and with integrity requires. End quote. We care, therefore, we act because it is what living fully, deeply, and with integrity requires. If we care, if we act, if we wish to live with integrity in this world of infinite variations, then how do we nourish our learning and our opinions of all that takes place around us. As we live our lives upholding the free and independent search for truth and meaning, how do we carry divinely true news and opinions with a compassionate, loving mindset? How do we carry those opinions and news into the communities we serve? Is it even necessary for us to do so? Well, we can begin to understand the necessity of a compassionately truthful mindset if we consider what might exist in its opposite direction, criticism and cynicism. Criticism and cynicism are the easiest mindsets for any of us to adopt. They're easy because adopting them doesn't require us to examine our role or our personal responsibility in the problem at hand. Maintaining a cynical, critical point of view of others or others' experiences allows you to keep yourself kind of walled off from new perspectives or information. And our media outlets and news channels, including Facebook, are very good at this. They are owned by profit-driven entertainment companies. From earlier days of newsprint journalism operated by William Randolph Hearst to today's digital journalism owned by the Koch family and others, most of our media outlets and news channels exist to generate gargantuan sums of money for plutocrats by shocking you with pessimism and criticism that compels you to watch their channels and therefore their advertisers' advertisements. 
as a former marketing program manager in our high-tech entertainment juggernaut in Redmond, I share this with you as truth. That's the way it all works. As all of this for-profit pessimism blares on through opinions of friends on Facebook and fans of Disney and Fox and MSNBC, remember, remember that right now in this moment here in this sanctuary or in streets and in gatherings throughout this land, relevant divine truth throughout the entire spectrum of living beings on earth is also being told and being shared. People are sharing their oppressions so that the true lived experiences of all cultures today, all societies can be brought to the center of consciousness. And it's often thanks to those same high-tech social media networks. The power of the people to rise up in the Arab Spring of 2010, remember? In North Africa, in the Middle East, that became born through social media networks. Remember the emerging power of the people's divine opinions then, and the swift rev revolutions of social liberation spreading the good news of the people. Then there are movements like the Poor People's Campaign, shining light on how we can all decenter dominant white American culture more, center marginalized groups more, and follow their lead so we can break down systemic racism and poverty and ecological devastation more. After only a few years of the Poor People's Campaign grassroots movement, as well as other movements, these messages of systemic racism, poverty, climate devastation now permeate our national political platforms. Have you noticed? We now hear the call to dismantle systemic oppression spring forth from the lips of our presidential candidates. Well, this is inspiring social influence, y'all. It's inspiring because the free exchange of the truths of our lived experiences is an inherently spiritual practice of liberation. Raimon Panikar was a faithful soul of liberation shaped by a fusion of cultures. He was born in 1918 to a Spanish Roman Catholic mother and a Hindu Indian father in Barcelona. He was educated in chemistry, philosophy, and theology at Jesuit universities in Barcelona, Bonn, and Madrid. 
And he fused his studies of Indian Hindu philosophy with the expressions of Judeo-Christian beliefs. And as he put it, quote, I left for India, I discovered I was a Hindu, and returned as a Buddhist without ever having ceased to be Christian. <laughs> he was ordained as a Catholic priest, but was eventually expelled from that church for disobedience to its patriarchy. And he then became a visiting professor at Harvard Divinity School, devoting his entire life to the infinite realms of theology. So that's Raimon Panikkar's biography. And he came to believe that humankind doesn't discover new realms of the divine. Okay? Rather, he came to view all that we humans consider to be the divine as one everlasting landscape, one everlasting container of all that stirs awe within us, okay? And he believed that each of us comes to view that everlasting landscape through a window frame built by our personal experiences of the divine and the beliefs that those experiences form within us. So each of us, peering upon what we consider divine through our own unique window. I can share that mine is kind of a triangular window these days. On one side, I've got like a frame of religious naturalism because I find great inspiration from the natural order of the world. I have kind of this horizontal foundation of liberation theologies like Gustavo Gutierrez. And then I've got this forming side of humanism which is relatively new for me as I've been practicing UU for the last 10 years. So mine's kind of like triangular shape, but like all of us, I'm, I'm looking out on that landscape, that big giant container of all that we consider divine. And when we engage with others about the perspectives or opinions or you know how our windows are kind of shaped, and when we learn about theirs, we tend to learn something which then influences our beliefs, causing us to reframe our window. Okay, welcome to the notion of seminary, <laughs> which I have just completed. So our, our human to human learning of one another's perspectives continually adjusts our perspective on the divine. Okay, you with me? Yes? Okay. Panikar noted that none of us can experience the divine through another person's window. You can't have the same experience as the person sitting right beside you right now or the person sitting right behind you. You cannot experience, experience the divine through another person's window. You can listen to other people describe 
theirs, and, you can, and they can listen to you as you describe yours, but no one can truly experience the divine in the world through another's window of their making. So, friends, I ask then, given this, do we respect one another's windows? At this point in our voyage, as one congregation among many sailing the seas of faith, are you, are you remaining open to the view from your portal as well as the view of others? Because that's why we're gathered here this morning, isn't it? To share our experience and perspectives on the greater good and witness the perspectives of others. Really witness the experience of others, right? With an open, compassionate heart. As I told you, my fellow sojourners, we have not met before, but I am impressed by you. All the life and service you involve yourselves in, you carry divine opinions and truths and revelations about all that this community is out into the light of others. And because we do not learn to sail the seas of faith by merely reading books or liking Facebook posts, we do not frame our windows um, on the world's landscape of all that is divine by merely reading what others write. Your divine opinion, your window, will not form by merely listening to a minister describe their window. Your love and your respect for your neighbors differently shaped and tinted window on the divine requires more of you than that. The way toward resilient reverence for our windows on the divine is not found hiding in our houses of perspectives. The way to resilience is to open our windows and go out all the way out to the edges of our views, open-hearted, curious, carrying and sharing truth and laughter as we, head our, as we heed our lived experience, our inner voices still and small, while at the same time sharing our fire of commitment to the power of other souls. We have not met before, but we have the power to maintain our heading toward a greater liberated good, my friends. Cresting mighty waves, sailing alongside prophets of peace and prosperity for all living beings. I share with you one final quote from Raimond Panikar. Religion is not an experiment, it is an experience of life through which one becomes part of the cosmic adventure. May it be so.